This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, it's Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief, Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So let's start with the SOGI rallies, the pro-SOGI rallies, the anti-SOGI rallies. So we saw competing rallies in, in lots of different communities. This is sexual orientation and Not gender identity in, in schools. Yeah, Tell me what happened at, in Victoria. So I, I, was you were the, there. I was on the front line of the ledge for about eight hours yesterday from just after this program, actually just before this program started. Yeah. This segment uh, started yesterday after, uh, yesterday morning right through to 6.30. Uh, so increasingly throughout the day, the number of counter-protesters just swamped the anti-Soji crowd. So the anti-Soji crowd it was evident at the beginning. It wasn't parents for the most part. It was grandparents, it was, or at least people who were of an age to be grandparents, uh, people wearing People's Party of Canada T-shirts, yelling at the counter-protesters. There was a giant F. Trudeau flag, which is code for you-know-what, a bunch of upside-down Canadian flags. Uh-huh. So this is uh, a combination of the old and... Sounds like the Freedom Convoy, the trucker yeah, row. So Alleged Security came up to me and said, well, our old friends are back, the Saturday morning crowd, which is the trucker Freedom Convoy, yeah. the anti-Trudeau protests. So those are a huge element of this. There was guys walking around with straight pride T-shirts, straight pride uh, flags. So there was a large element of you know, homophobic element to this. It wasn't a parent protest, although there were some parents and there were some Muslim families mm-hmm. who were at this as well. And they had to be. They were led away by their own request by police when things got so things got a little heated yeah. as the afternoon wore on. So it started out with an anti-Soji protest who had you know permission and permit, but there was a counter protest, and that started around noon. But it was quickly apparent the counter protesters were starting to dwarf the anti-Soji protesters. So there were more pro-Soji protesters than anti-Soji. Oh, ten to one at one point. Wow. Okay. So and I had to give. Kudos to Victoria Police and Ledge Security for figuring out a way out of this mess. Because what was going to, what was apparent, is you had this relatively small anti-Soji crowd park yeah. themselves in the middle of the legislature lawn, and it was apparent they were going to be completely surrounded by uh, counter-protesters who were, and the and the and the rhetoric from both sides, the screaming was starting to get louder, and you realize this is not a safe situation because you had a group of people who were going to be encircled by others. Passions were running high, so Vic Felice set up a police line of yellow tape on the side of the field and invited the anti-Soji crowd to go over there, which they did. They went by their stage with a sound system and stood behind this police line, uh, and there were a lot of police officers around, and people were allowed to you know, vent at each other. Yeah. It was a great you know, crowd handling. Then things got a little tense when the counter-protesters, an element of them, were fairly you know, aggressive themselves. There were sort of like aggressive people on For both sure. sides. Okay. A, a relatively small number on both sides. Yeah, there was there was a, there was a couple of people on the anti-Soji side. You could tell were just. Spoiling for a trying fight. Trying to goad the anti the counter protesters in for a fight, just as there were a couple of counter protesters trying to goad the anti Soji people into fighting. What happened? It looked like at one point some of the counter protesters were making a move on the stage of oh. the anti Soji people, and that's when police stepped in and said, "Okay, that's it. 
and they arrested, I think, at least one, maybe two counter-protesters. I heard two, two yeah, arrests. Could have been two. Yeah. Uh, and they were arrested. Others were warned on both sides, knock it off, or there's going to be more arrests. The, the yelling continued, the screaming, the chanting um, continued, and it was increasingly the counter-protesters, that, like I say, by, by 3, 4 o'clock, 10 to 1. Over anti, over but this went on even longer than that. Well, I just found out from Legislative Security. I left at 6.30, and there were still nine anti-Soji protesters surrounded by 30 police officers and about 80 counter-protesters. And I, I knew a couple of the police officers, and they said, well, it's a nice night. It's a beautiful sun night. It's kind of fine. I'm on overtime. You know, I'll sit here. Well, it went on to 9.30 at night, Whoa. which was Whoa. ridiculous. It was really, I think it was down like 40 people at the end yeah. yelling at each other. But... It was quite the quite the lengthy protest, and uh, and again, Vancouver, uh, the counterparts swamped the number of anti-Soji. Yeah. Kamloops, the same thing. Yeah. So again, it's uh, reflective, I think, of uh, where the public's at by and large. But you know, there was passions on both sides yesterday. Okay, so the the anti-Soji protesters, uh, a, a lot of are saying that they're worried about gender ideology in schools that they think that maybe some kids are, are being pressured around yeah, well, gender I, ideology. So again, that's, those people weren't out at this protest at the legislature yesterday. There was yeah. no articulation of some of these concerns. Yeah. It was simply uh, anti-Soji, get rid of Soji now. No yeah. explanation. There was anti-gay T-shirts and flags. Mm-hmm. This was an anti-gay homophobic protest and for many people. There wasn't that element of parents there that we're going to articulate exactly what their concerns were. Well, I mean, would you say, like, you know, at one point we heard Kevin Falcon this week, the, the BC United leader of the opposition, say that some of these parents have le- legitimate concerns, all right? They've got questions about the program in, mm-hmm. in the school system. And th- th- you didn't hear a lot of those voices no, yesterday? Those were some, at least at the legislature. Is, not, there, is, wasn't, it, is, wasn't, it, is it fair to say there there it's... Some parents have got some reasonable questions and concerns sure. about the program. Yep, and Falcon has made that clear. That's his, So it's interesting. Falcon's position, yeah. BC United's position, is they're pro-Soji. They're the government, their previous identity is BC Liberals, who brought Soji in. Right, yes. They have not changed what he's advocating. There has to be better communication with parents, yeah. and I don't think a lot of people are going to challenge that. Uh, the NDP is pro-Soji. The Green Party is pro-Soji. The one party that's emerging, that's anti-Soji, and is carving this turf out to themselves, is the B.C. Conservative Party. Okay, let's, let's listen to the B.C. Conservative Party leader here now. And, and this guy, you have to pay attention to this now, because he's an MLA, former liberal MLA. Falcon kicked him out of B.C. United. John Rustad, he's got another guy has crossed the floor to join him. Bruce Bannon. So they've got official party status at the legislature now. And they are saying they want to remove Soji from the school system. Let's have a listen to him here. BC Conservative leader John Rustad. It's creating friction, certainly between parents and, uh, and, and teachers in the schools. I really think we should be taking those things out of schools. Your thoughts? Well, he was part of a cabinet that brought Soji in. It was just something Kevin Falcon reminded me of when he phoned me after his, his initial comments caused a bit of confusion. So... Uh, he was in the Christie Clark cabinet. Yeah, so he's a right? cabinet minister. When you're a cabinet minister, you take 100% ownership of your cabinet decisions. Yeah. You can't start cherry picking. So he was part of that. Now he's changed his position. I think Rustad is, he seems to be increasingly shifting to sort of the People's Party of Canada position, which is a fringe position on many issues. They don't show up in the polls by any great numbers, but 
in certain writings around BC, they probably have a stronger following than in other writings. And I think Rustad's very much trying to be a thorn in the side of BC United and trying to sort of tap into their support on the, particularly on the fringe on issues such as this. Because as we saw in opinion poll after opinion poll, in school board elections, the anti-Soji crowds just are not anywhere near. But the, you know, but this still number. has the potential to make a political impact in BC, right? Because if you get that vote split, okay. Oh, well, so well, I mean, I'm this not, may not be a winning issue for elect yeah, conservative sure. MLAs. Yeah, I think Rustad's betting on that. I'm not sure this is the as big a vote split issue as certain other issues will come up. Yeah, I'm still waiting for Rustad, for example, to really start playing up the anti-carbon tax yes. issue. Or some of these other issues that uh, there's not much gap between United and NDP on some issues. And that's what Rust had. So he's found one here. But this is kind of, I think, on his position is more of a fringe position than some of the other positions he's going to take. He is going to he's going to try to be a player in the next election. No question. He's going to try to split that vote. He's probably going to be on the TV. I don't speak for the consortium, but I would say the odds favor him being on the TV leaders debate. Sure. Sure, he's, uh, he's got official party he's status. Got official party status. Yeah. He's going to have a quite, so the house begins uh, not next week, the week after. Yeah, and his party is going to be afforded uh, official party status along with resources, financial resources to hire staff. And, and this is well boosts his profile. Uh, he and Bannon, one of them, will be allocated a question and a follow up in every question period. Yes. And that eats away from the, that takes away time from the BC United uh, yes. part of question period, not from the BC Greens. They keep their question as well. So, you know, his ele- his profile is going to go up. Yeah, and that's going to be the that's a wild man. This is a wild card in the deck here now for for sure. Okay, real quickly, uh, we started the show today talking about the latest truck overpass collision. This mm-hmm. one in North Vancouver. This one a hit and run. Yeah. So, what kind of driver slams his rig into an overpass and then lambs it? Dollars and overpass takes off. Okay, this is pretty wild stuff. Now, some people say the fines are too low. That's one of the problems. And people have been saying that for a long time. Here's the Transportation Minister, Rob Fleming. This is back to last spring when he was saying he was concerned about the fines being too low. Have a listen. The penalties are quite low, so I've asked staff to look at that and to talk to the trucking industry about whether there's something we can do here uh, in, in regards to fines and penalties. Yeah, $115 fine? Well, Come on. Peanuts. Uh, for sure. I mean, $115 for anything is, is, is peanuts. A chump change for, for anybody. But he did revoke the license of this company. He did. So, I mean, that's, that's an interesting first start. But, I mean, it's taken this long. So you say that clip was in the spring. So yeah. fast forward a few months now. We still don't have any action. Now, right. the House is sitting. Uh, again, so the issues like this are going to start to come to the fore. So Trevor Halford's a transportation critic. I expect he's going to be on his feet early on in the session, yeah. grilling Fleming about this issue. Where are the where are the tougher fines? Yeah, you know where are the tougher regulations? What about you know going after some of these companies in terms of where's the training for drivers? Okay, you know we're going to hear a lot about that one. Keith Baldry, Baldry's Beat, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Lonnie in South Surrey. Hi, Lonnie, go ahead. Oh, hi, guys. Um, Yeah, I was listening to the news last night, and, of course, this was all being covered. Um, But they also had a story about the Surrey Food Bank being in dire need, and I think it was somewhere around a million to a million point, one point three million that they are short. Yeah. And then I heard that the taxpayers are going to be on the hook for paying for all the repairs of these overpasses that are hit to the tune of about $1.3 million. And it occurred to me, 
why are our taxpayers' dollars going to pay for some doofus who hits an overpass over and over, <laughs> but yet we can't come up with money for the food bank? It's disgusting. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, very good, salient point. Yeah. Yes. So doofus is a good term, probably. Uh, well, I mean, the reality is we fix highways, you know, we fix roads, and it does come out of her pocket, but she does put her finger on this. Uh, I'm not sure about the figure. I didn't see the story, but $1.3 million shortfall in Surrey for a food bank is... They've got, more, they've got more food going out the door than they have coming in at the Surrey food yeah. bank. So this and is that speaks volumes of the, of the yeah. problem. And I don't think the problem is confined to Surrey. But, yeah, you, people are going to juxtapose the expenditure of money. In yeah. What's the priority? Is it spending tax dollars to fix an overpass that, as she says, some doofus wrecked? Or is it bailing out the Surrey food bank? I don't... I mean, it is apples and oranges for sure, but... Nevertheless, people are going to make that contract. I believe there have been precedents in BC where companies have been held liable for the, the yeah. repair costs on some yeah. of these no, over, have, and been, they should be. Uh, whether it's overpasses or other uh, bridge, uh, you uh, know, other situations where they cause the damage. Yeah, sure. and they should be. But I think Fleming is probably going to be pressed for some some answers to some questions come the house. Yeah, time. definitely. George in Nanaimo. Hi, George. Go ahead. Morning, guys. Um, I listened all day yesterday, and I felt. The reporting and the commentary on this OG thing was very, very one-sided. You didn't have anybody from the parents' groups or the people that were concerned uh, interviewed or able to express their opinion or their side. There was lots of stuff from the teachers' union and from the LGBTQ and and uh, talk of white supremacy and all kinds of other stuff thrown at the other side, but nobody was given a chance. To state no, the other point no, of view. we had no. We had uh, we interviewed the anti-Soji people. We had them on the newscast, so too bad. Uh, but we did interview again. The numbers were ten to one on one side versus the other, so there's not equal pl- play here. But we did interview, uh, and again, I didn't. There weren't any parent groups here. This is the thing. This is there were these self-appointed interest groups that are affiliated with other causes. But we didn't have that. We had this one young guy with a Canadian flag draped over his back who seemed to be about 22 years old, and he was the chief spokesman for the anti soldier well, cause. So, <clears throat> how is he a parent? If this? you take a look at how this is being played out in some other provinces, right? Where is it? Is it Saskatchewan and New Brunswick. New Brunswick? So, they have brought in rules that say around parental uh, notification. So, if your child approaches mm-hmm. a teacher and expresses a desire to uh, transition genders or wants to have their pronouns changed, they want to be changed as they're, when they're addressed in class, that there would be, what, an obligation to notify yeah. notify the parent. Right now, is that, this is something that I know, E.B., David E.B. has already ruled that out here. In terms of legislation. Yes. Yeah. Specifically dictated. In I wonder if on the ground practice, though, like if a teacher, if, if a teacher did, if a, if a kid did come to a teacher and say that, would a typical teacher notify the parent? I, I don't know. Who knows? I'm not getting it. Who I knows? Know. I know anecdotally, yes, and then yeah. anecdotally, no. Yeah. And so there is, this is not a black and white issue. This is not like some other issues around this. This is more, I mean, I agree, parental um, notification or parental involvement is a, is something that people, I think, support to varying degrees. Yeah. But again, that wasn't evident in the rally I was at yesterday. There was no parents. Yeah. This was special interest, right-wing interest groups who, t- who have co-opted this movement. Okay. And it's interesting, in the United States, there's been lots of media written about how the social conservative movement in the States have, have seized on gender politics 
because they've lost on gay rights when it comes to marriages and those. And now they see this one because it's got more nuance and more gray area in, in this issue than it does in other related issues. Okay, well, all three, the the major mainstream political parties all support SOGI. The, parties with the, exception of the, the two parties are going to form government. Are the yeah. NDP and the BC United one of those two? Yeah, unless I mean, you know, and they they all support and they support Soji, so it's a moot point. Key, thank you. I'll talk to you next week. I'm not on tomorrow.